Welcome to Get Gig Ready. If you're a music maker, emerging or early in your career, or even a veteran looking to brush up on the basics, we're here to get you close to some amazing local talent to help amp up your skills. Get Gig Ready is presented by City of Ride, Lane Cove Council, the Live Music Office, Music New South Wales, and 2SER, with support from Macquarie University. Today, I am joined by indie pop musician Michelle Sutton from here in our local area, and you came highly recommended <laughs> by the team of the councils, by the way, Michelle. I'm, uh, I'm glad to have you on the show. Welcome to Get Gig Ready. Thank you so much. It's a very nice intro. <laughs> so first of all, I wanted to talk about, and we're going to get a little bit more into this song specifically towards the end of the interview because it is the feature track you've chosen. But the last song you put out was a track called Halloween for Spooky Season, and we're approaching Spooky Season again. I just wanted to ask a little bit about putting out, you know, seasonal music. And, you know, I guess in the pop industry, the big one tends to be making sure you have the summer hit that everyone's going to be vibing to through summer. How useful is it for you as a musician coming up with ideas, putting songs together, having that, you know, seasonal inspiration? I think that it's, I know that the people that like, I don't know, people that like my music will appreciate it, I feel like. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was writing, it was like the beginning of October last year. I remember just thinking that I like needed to write a song about what was happening. Um, And I remember like reading a tweet that was like, oh, it's October. Like (laughs) get out your broomstick, everyone. Mm -hmm. Like it's time. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. Like that's how I can write this um, song. that's actually quite sad and like painful and make it kind of funny um, and make it kind of pretty and make it a thing that everyone can kind of relate to and enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have the Halloween playlist that my friends and I love to just put on while we do anything throughout September and October, you know, irresponsibly early in some people's eyes. Yes. But I think it's a really cool, like creative tool as you kind of hinted towards there. And I was, as I was asking, uh, because it, it gives you a context to write in immediately and having like that framing device can really help push some ideas forward. Yes, totally. And I don't think I'm particularly good at like similes or metaphors <laughs> or imagery. I usually just kind of say things how they were. So to have just like a really clear, um, kind of picture, it's like very, very helpful kind of like came out very quickly once I had that idea all clicked together. Yeah. I guess the next thing I wanted to touch on is that your music tends to be like, I guess very buskable is the word that I would use. (laughs) It's really easy to kind of like strip it back, just be you on a guitar. How do you write music like that, that is simultaneously really approachable and easy to take out on the road as a solo musician, but also doesn't like lack depth because that was one thing I thought you did really well. You have a lot of really nice harmonies in there, which I feel would be difficult to pull off with just one person and a guitar. But even if you were to strip them back, there's still a lot of, you know, the fundamentals there that can carry you through. How do you go about writing in that style? That's very kind of you, firstly. I think because I, I've been busking since I was 16. Um, so I, I heard 18 and I really just wanted to be Ed Sheeran. Um, so I started busking in high school and just like in Chatswood and Manly and Newtown and my parents would drive me. And when you do that, you just have to be really comfortable with hearing your voice and guitar and just hearing everything. Yeah. And then you just kind of get good at like building, I guess, that background with like guitar chords and, um, really just featuring lyrics and like telling stories. You kind of don't have anywhere to hide, which I really, really love. And so, yeah, I think I just kind of learned to write that way to kind of showcase the the lyrics and everything. Yeah, in a way that kind of just flows and is really entertaining to me. I don't know. Mm. I always feel like my kind of sound the same, um, but I don't like to overthink them too much because they kind of just flow out 
like conversationally. And I enjoy that. Yeah. I think that's one really great thing about busking is that it's like, you know, straight into the frying pan um, in terms of putting stuff together. You're really given an audience that isn't there for you. So you have like the hardest road test possible in a lot of ways, which is like, you know, obviously why a lot of musicians with a busking background are so good at pulling those fundamentals out of their songwriting, I think. Yeah. And people um, don't have any expectations for you, which is extremely liberating. You can literally sing anything. And as long as you can kind of carry a tune, they're always very impressed. (laughs) So you can kind of just experiment and try out like the weirdest songs or like brand new songs. Um, And it's strangers. So like, it doesn't really matter if they don't like it, but if they do engage with it and kind of like look over at you and smile or come say something nice and it's like, the best feedback ever because they have no reason to lie. Yeah. I think that was one thing, you know, for me when I was first kind of getting into creative works is people would say like, oh, don't worry, no one will notice your mistakes. And (laughs) I'd always think to myself, of course they will. I notice everyone's mistakes. But when I kind of realized what you're saying there is that you're totally right. People will engage positively. No one's going to come up on the street and just be like, ah, your music's garbage. I'm not interested in it. They're only going to come up if they engage with it. And that's the kind of like positivity that I think is really good to get your head around. For me, getting over that barrier of realizing that it wasn't that no one noticed the mistakes. It's that no one would engage with the mistakes to try and like rephrase it a bit there was like at least for me really freeing I don't know if that was a similar experience for you totally yeah I mean playing like a lot of open mics and stuff from yeah from when I was 18 and a lot of pubs and stuff I don't think they really necessarily vibe with my song <laughs> um, <laughs> like oh it's so scary but I'm just gonna do it anyway it's good practice and I like performing but there's always like one person I feel like who who will appreciate it or will say a nice comment so I'm like even if it's just like one person in a whole show they'll be like, oh, I really like that song. Like it'll always resonate with someone. Yeah, I I totally think that's true. And like many creative endeavors, you know, even some of the other shows that I uh, do on radio, there's always like at least least one person will leave a nice comment. I'm like, oh, it was all worth it. It was all worth it. I guess the other thing that I wanted to get into is that for your uh, last EP that you put out, Dinner Plates, you did a bit of crowdfunding for it. And we haven't spoken a lot about crowdfunding on this show. There's a lot to get into, but I guess I wanted to ask specifically about your experience with crowdfunding. Like, why did you choose to go that route for Dinner Plates? Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't really have any money because I just finished uni mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was on like full-time placement working like 8 to 4.30 every day with no money. So. <laughs> Yeah, I just really, really, really wanted to make uh, Dinner Plates EP because it's kind of full of songs of like me reflecting on like growing up and that kind of stuff. And I really felt like comfortable kind of sharing that with with everyone, just like my friends and family, because they have known that I've always written songs and always played live and um, never made a body of work. And so I kind of I had a really nice experience of like support from my friends and family for many years. And I was like, they'll be so excited <laughs> for me and like want to be part of it. And I know that like for Kickstarter and, and crowdfunding to work, you have to kind of share so much and um, like, yeah, have lots of content about the process of it and be very specific about your goals and vision for it and have rewards. And I was like, I can do that because I'll just probably share it and do that stuff anyway. Mm. So. Yeah. Was it, was it like, it, it sounds like it wasn't too big of a jumping off point from where you were already at with creating your music. You know, you were used to sharing things, you were used to performing. So was it a bit of a natural step for you or were there still a couple of hurdles that you had to get yourself over? It felt kind of natural to like share with everybody 
um, and like update them on the progress and stuff like that. But it is, yeah, it is a bit weird and like mm-hmm. a bit awkward. You just kind of have to do a lot of a lot of research, I guess. Um, and it's good that you like you can do that. Yeah, I remember when we were talking uh, with Vichara Erdersinger in the first season, like he was saying that one of the big things that took him from being, you know, part-time casual on the side party host to career was doing a lot of research and using his spare time for that. And obviously, I think with something like Kickstarter, where, as you say, they have so many standards you have to uphold. It's really good to make sure you actually have, you know, checked all of the books. I guess the other really fun thing with Dinner Plates and Halloween that I wanted to kind of touch on is the cover art that you've done for them. Because, I mean, the Dinner Plates is like a picture of you on like a smash plate in the grass. And Halloween is, is it like a, a wallpaper that you've stuck a couple of like paper bats onto? Yeah, it's just like a material craft thing from like Hot Dollar. <laughs> the thing I loved about both of those is, I mean, first of all, I, I love the way they look, but that I think it really like captures the kind of indie self-produced, you know, buskable vibe that your music has. Is that something that kind of comes easy to you as pairing the uh, the visual imagery with the music that you put together? Or was that something that you kind of had to learn alongside as a separate skill? Um, yeah, it's very much natural. I really love um, that art. And it's kind of just what I do for fun is a lot of like children's craft. Mm. I'm not like skilled at visual arts in any way. And I don't care about like technique or clean lines, obviously. I just like to throw like sequins and crayons and color at stuff just to like, you know, express my feelings. And so um, I think that that's kind of my vibe with everything, like my general aesthetic of things. And for dinner plates, I had this idea for ages. So I got my um, my best childhood friend, Charlie, who I mentioned her mum like at the very beginning of I Miss Honey. I say like my best friend's mum, Justine. So Charlie was my best friend. We were little um, and she's a really beautiful like visual artist. Uh, so I always wanted her to draw a picture of me for the cover of dinner plates. Cause that felt like very kind of full circle. She's my best friend, like when we were kids. Um, so I asked her to draw a portrait of me on like an Ikea plate. And I just went in the backyard, just chucked it like <laughs> in the <laughs> courtyard. <laughs> it was like, put, like sharp bits everywhere for ages. One take only. And then I just like, yeah, put it together in the grass and took photos of my iPhone. Yeah. And I just love it. I'm very happy with it. Cause it's kind of like cute and pretty, but it's also just super, super, like messy and like very literally rough around the edges. Mm. Yeah. I feel like it really represents the music very well. Yeah. I I think for me, one of the things, and this is, this is definitely like a me thing more than a general thing is that because I have a bit of formal training in like visual arts, I am such a perfectionist. I am such a perfectionist when it comes to like the visual branding stuff. So I look at yours and I'm like, Oh my goodness. If only I could just like let loose and have fun with a design like that, because it fits so well. I love it so much. Thank you. That's so nice. Yeah, I never really think about if other people will like it. <laughs> like in my gut, let's do it. <laughs> cool. I guess the last thing I wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap up today is to drag us back to Halloween, which was the first thing I kind of asked you about. And you mentioned that there's kind of a, a darker, spookier side, as the title might imply to the song. You want to tell us a little bit about what people can hear in the lyrics and what the song means? Totally. Um, I wrote it. Uh, kind of going through like a really, really difficult experience of kind of being, um, I guess, like like villainized and cast out of a community um, by all these people. And, yeah, it was very, very painful. And I just felt like tired from, from dealing with that. And I didn't feel like I could write something that was like angry or like too aggressively upset. I just like. Just a sudden detour into death metal just for one song. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. I've been listening to a lot of like um, 
like Patsy Cline and like old country stuff and then a lot of like she and him, which is kind of like a vintagey sound, but like modern. And I kind of had that vibe in my head. And then I, it was the beginning of October and I just kind of sat down and, and wrote it. It's kind of like a big sigh because I'm so tired and sad of kind of the um, kind of misogyny that I'd been experiencing. And I feel like that just fit really well with kind of being like, you know, the victim of like a witch hunt and um, everyone just kind of targeting you and making you the scapegoat for things and just being so frustrated and so tired about it. Yeah. And I can also imagine it was probably really good to like, cause you were saying that it was kind of preventing you from writing other things. It was really good to rip that bandaid off and like channel the energy into something creative. Yes. Yes. I really like needed to do it that day. I feel like it was like the long weekend and I was like, I have to do something. <laughs> I have to do something with all of this. Mm. And I just wrote chorus and I wrote the whole thing in probably like 10 minutes. I like, saying it through once and then I fixed the second verse because it was a bit clunky the first time and the second time I played it through I was like that's it like I need to over edit it that's what I what I need to say yeah totally I mean it's it's great when stuff comes together like that and I think that you know that kind of driven nature to it really comes across in the song so Michelle thank you so much for joining us here on Get Get Ready it's been such a pleasure speaking with you thank you it's been very fun thanks for having me we're going to leave you with Halloween by Michelle Sutton there. We will have links up on the podcast to her stuff if you're curious to get more. And uh, we'll, of course, be back next time with Get Gig Ready. Here's Halloween by Michelle Sutton. You're playing tricks on me. I know it's Halloween. You ain't scared nothing like you scared of me.
Terlampau 